0: Oftentimes comes when we're in the most pain. We're not being satisfied. We're not thinking that it's meeting our needs, and so we begin to look other places. You see, it's inevitable, and Satan knows it. He gets us, especially when we're despairing, or we're angry, or we're bitter, or we've been hurt, or we're depressed. He likes to tell us that God doesn't love us. And we want, as we build resentment or as we build discouragement and we're frustrated, we are open vessels to Satan's attacks. And so that's why James says, don't be surprised when he comes after you, when he tempts you. Because the fact of the matter is he wants to come after you. It's universal. He does it to everybody. And that this universal is very personal. He at times knows what you're going through. He sees what you've been through. And that they're going to work. He's going to work on you with his minions to try to draw you down from God. And it's so easy to blame others and to blame God and not see it for your issue. Don't be confused, folks. Temptation is our problem, not God's. Here we see it. People are saying, I am tempted by God. These are people who are dispersed throughout the ages. And James is getting it from his people and they're saying, look, God is putting us in positions that are tempting us and we are tired and we're worn out and we're just giving in to them. They're into the a tradition of blaming. It's God's fault. We are a society that's full of victims. We all like to blame others for our problems. And we see that here. How often times do you hear somebody say, well, I did this because I had a fight with my wife. Or I don't get along with my wife. My business is failing because my partner Or I find other people saying that my parents... How many times we listen to Dr. Phil and it's my parents' fault? No, it's not. James said it's from our own inner lust. We see that come out pure and simple in in Genesis chapter 3 where Adam and Eve failed. They sinned and it brought all the corruption, all this pain and suffering to our world because they chose to disobey God and eat from the the tree of good and evil. And you can hear the blame going down. We hear it when we hear Eve say to God, well, it was the serpent. They told me to do it. She made the decision. Adam, God says to Adam, 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 why'd you eat from the fruit? Well, it's the woman, of course, he's blaming his wife. It's the woman that you gave me. Adam is not only blaming his wife, but he's blaming God, too, that it was her fault, but also Satan also. That God is, is the one he's blaming. He says, you made this woman. She was supposed to be a helpmate for me. And instead, she's the one who led me down this path. You see how the blame goes? Genuine Christians, we know, as James says here, that the reason why we fall is not the temptation. it we're enticed by our own lust. What's going on inside here? Why is it that people give their bank account numbers to people who call them and said they're from Nigeria and they have a million dollars to put in their bank account? And how many people give those bank account numbers out thinking that they're gonna get all these billions of dollars? And what has caused them to give them the bank account out? It's their own greed that they want to make a quick buck instead of really thinking it through. You see, this is what Satan does. He baits the hook. It's kind of like fishing. You know, how do good fishermen fish? By they disguise the hook. They wrap it with such nice things. Some of them even have nice little lures that attract the fish from their sitting at the bottom just waiting for something to happen. And then they'd go after it. And notice what it says. They're enticed, but they're carried away. They're dragged, the wording is, dragged away from what they should be doing. And now they're no longer in control. But now the fishermen Who's reeling it in. They're fighting to get out of the grasp of the hook. And the further they fight, the longer and further the hook goes into their mouth. And he's reeling them in. How many people do we know that swallow the hook? And once they're in it, they can't get out of it. Oh, they try every which way and they can't get out of it. And only by the grace and redemption of God can we as Christians get out of it. David... In his adultery with Bathsheba and then his murder, to cover it up, he couldn 't get out of it. He tried several different ways to get her husband to come in and sleep with her so that he wouldn 't be charged with the child. But the man was such a good man he slept in front of the doorhouse of his his wife, would not go in and have relations with her and then she says i 'm pregnant and he he 's He can't get him to do that. So what does he do? He murders the man. That looks like he's a valiant soldier, but really he's been murdered by David. That's the hook. And once he was on the hook, David was in trouble. And he couldn't get off of it. You see, that's what happens to a lot of people. Some people laugh at Mrs. Reagan when she said, just say no, trying to spread that around. That's all we need, folks, in our lives. It's just say no to Satan's trap. Say no to his hook that he tries to draw us in with. And it's inside of us that has to say no. How many kids are dying of fentanyl right now because they didn't say no to the early drugs and now they're dying of fentanyl-laced pot and laced all kinds of drugs because they refuse to say no. And you see, this is temptation's flow. It starts from within us. That's where our desire is. Desire is that emotion that tells itself, I can't live without this. This is such a better thing for me. Oh, if I only had this, it would be so much better. It's all a lie. It's deception. And we're buying it because we want relief. And we want to be deceived. We're being deceived. And then we start telling ourselves, oh, it'll be better. This won't affect anybody. Don't worry about that. It's not going to have any lasting effects. And then it comes crawling down on us. David When he finally came clean about his sin, the Bible tells us that God forgave him, yes. But the tragic thing that the Bible tells us also, though, that there are consequences to our sin. That once we set them into motion, they don't stop. David lost three sons because of the sexual involvement and and wound up... Three sons died. Four sons died, because of David's foolishness, his inability to say no. It cost him dearly, and yet he was a man after God's own heart. But the consequences were set into motion. He showed the example, and the example showed itself, and it cost David dearly. And all began with David's heart believing that his own lust needed to be satisfied rather than trusting God on this one. He hears the flow. James gives us the flow. Notice what we say. We say, but each one is tempted when he's carried away. He's enticed. This is better for you. By his own lust inside. Then, lust is conceived. It gives birth to sin this sin that is this desire to satiate ourselves with what is being promised us. And it's deception. The bait is calling us and it's pulling us. And oh, it may feel good. You see, that's the thing people don't understand. Sin in Hebrews chapter 4 says it's pleasurable, it's going to give you what you want for a moment. But once it gives you that, then the payment comes for that disobedience. How many people do you know when they're looking at the temptation and their emotions are heightened? Do they not start saying in their mind, I deserve this? I deserve better than I have now. I need this for me. If I only had this, I would be a better person. All that intellectual baloney is deception. We're kidding ourselves to think that it's going to be better. God has given you wonderful gifts, and don't say he didn't. And we need to go back and deal with that. Because when we fall into deception, and we make that decision, we conceive the sin and it gives birth in our lives and then when it is accomplished it brings death you see we're fighting the enemy on three points the world the devil and our own flesh and the only one that can say no is us we're the final drop back And the whole thing is being able to put the barrier up and say, no, I will not allow this to take place in my life. It's like having an inside job. (laughs) Three bank robbers were caught. Really, two of them were the front men. They came to the jewelry store, and oddly enough, they had a key to get in. And when they held up the employee there, he got on the ground and acted like he was a novel employee. And they took and opened the safe. They had the safe number. Huh. And they got in and took all the jewelry. And then later on, they found that the guy who was laying on the floor was the third bank robber. He had given the key. He had given them the safe number before they even got there. And here he was acting like he knew nothing about it. You see, the inside job is our souls. And God wants to give us desire. Desire is not wrong. It's not bad. God gives us desires. Why did He give us desires? If you didn't have the desire for food, you wouldn't eat. You'd waste away. If we didn't have desires for men and women, we wouldn't have families. But we do because God gave us that desire. It's the desire when it's taken and used in the wrong way, the way God has not used it, that's when we're in trouble. You see, then there comes a point when the sin is birthed that there's no turning back. There's no, the point of no return. And that you get yourself into it. And you're in the middle of the pond. I don't know if you've ever stood in the middle of a pond and think you can cross it. And it's feeling pretty good, but as you further get in, all of a sudden you feel this tug pulling you down. And you think you can make it, and all of a sudden, it no longer is able to fight it, and you get picked up and taken downstream. This is what happens when sin is conceived. All of a sudden, we're going in a place that we never wanted to be. I just wanted to experience that for one time, but now we're into this deep water that we can't get out, and we're having a hard time surviving. And how are we keeping it from somebody else? And I don't want anybody to know about this. This is wrong. And yet, it feels so good. And you see, that's what. In 15 seasons, and when sin is accomplished, it brings death. Adam and Eve experienced that. After they partook of what God told them not to, they experienced spiritual Death. Here it was before Adam and Eve fell in the garden. They were communing with God. They were wide open. They were running around naked. And they were happy to see him and talk to him. And then all of a sudden after they fell, they're hiding. And they're trying to cover themselves. Because they knew they had done wrong. And they were trying to hide everything about it. But God knew And because of that, they were thrown out of the garden. They died spiritually. That they no longer had that communion with God. And not until Jesus Christ, who had to come to earth and die that terrible death to satisfy God's anger and to wash our sins away to give us eternal life, that that is cleared up. But in the meantime, they're hiding They're fearful. They're struggling with anxiety about meeting up with God. And then God confronts them. You see, this is the world. Because once that death comes, something dies in our heart. Our relationship to God sometimes dies. Sometimes it brings physical death like we found with our friend David. And that path of death Causes people to, I mean, think about it. How often do we see glamorizations on the advertising on TV? Hey, look at that Camaro! Look at that blonde! If I have the Camaro, I'll get the blonde. <laughs> oh my! But that's what they work on. Think about the the hard alcohol. <laughs> To the person who's lonely, if I start drinking that alcohol, I'll feel better at a party and I can talk to all kinds of people. And people are going to love me and then they don't talk about how they get pulled over with the police after the party. You see, don't be deceived. Don't follow the hook. Don't give yourself into it. Because it can bring death to your heart. Death to your person. Death in many ways. And it's all because our desire is trying to be satisfied. It's like the pastor who's on a diet. He knew he should not go and have donuts anymore. And so he was praying one day and he was going by the donut shop on his way to church. And he said, Lord... If there's no parking spaces, I will not stop and get a donut. And after he went around the block eight times, there was one, and he went in. That's what happens. That's what happens when the hook is there, folks. You know it, and I know it. And you see, at this point, James is talking about death. But now he wants in judgment that sin can easily bring in our life. But now he wants to talk to us about how to fix it from a positive point of view. He said, if you're struggling with temptation, here's how to fix it. Every good thing given and every perfect if is from above. Coming down from the Father's light with whom there is no variation or shadow, shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be kind of first fruits among his creatures. And what he is saying here, you need to fix your mind on God and truly see him who he is. And he wants to give us all the good gifts of life. He tempted Jesus, Satan did. But Jesus had it all. And he knew it. And he used the word to fight back on Satan. And God's goodness to us is you focus on that. All the good gifts God has given the things that he's done to you and how he's helped you, it's marvelous. It's when we forget those things and we're told by Satan that they're inadequate. Oh, that wife of yours, she's always on you about stuff. Look at, there's a lot nicer people out there that, no, 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 no. God gave her to me for a special purpose. There's a reason why I'm with her. There's a reason why I'm with that guy. God had that happen for a reason. And it's a good gift. And I'm not going to throw that away. You see, that's Satan's way. He wants us to be dissatisfied with what God has given to us. So that we go this way and go after this and we wind up wrecking our lives. He's not interested in taking care of us and having us do good. God loves us. He showed it by going to the cross for us. He wants to give us the best things in life. He has given us good things. It's just that sometimes we forget. David forgot when he was looking at Bathsheba on the top of that roof. God was way distant from him at that point. And all the blessings that David had received of being the leader of the country, doing so successfully well that they didn't want him to go out on the battlefield anymore. It was so successful. But he lost the perspective. And James is saying, don't lose that perspective. Because this father of lights, of truth and reality, he doesn't vary He doesn't shift into what he feels about you. It's consistent love in giving you and caring about you. He doesn't vary. He changes not. He wants the best for you. He wants you to share the first fruits. He wants you to be okay. You see, the principle of emotions got David, and he lost Perspective on who God was and what God has done for him. If you look around at the goodness of God in your life and you start listening, you realize, we all do, that he gives us good things. But sometimes, boy, we get a little thing in our life and he will exploit that to pull us away from that. He gives us constantly, folks, every day, Every day I can put my feet on the ground and stand up and go to the gym is another day that he's given me to give glory to him. And what a privilege that is. To be able to just breathe and lead and, and, and enjoy life. Wow. And he gives us constantly and doesn't change in that. And that he gives us eternal life. What more can we want? that we shouldn't pollute ourselves. You know, it's so easy to get caught in pollution. That's why David realized in Psalm 119, he said, I've stored up God's word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Because you don't want to hurt that good friend, that one who died for you, put his life on line. You want to please him. And you're doing it not because you're going to impress him, but because you're just so thankful for what he's given to you. And then in Romans, Paul says to us, don't let it conform you. Don't let the world read you into its mold and tell you you don't have what it takes. Let me tell you something. We had, you know, it's amazing to me. There's a lot of kids in my neighborhood who had a lot more than we did. But I never knew it because I knew what my mom and dad gave us. They gave us a wonderful home that we were loved, and that we had eternal life because they were showing us Jesus, and were, it, it, you can't imagine what they gave us. I imagine you guys have had two parents like that. And, and, and how wonderful that is. And, and, and to know that you don't have to conform to the world's standards. They sometimes stood away from the world standards. They showed us. That's not something we're giving ourselves to because that shows something else, and we want to show Christ in our lives. And that's why Paul says don't be conformed to the thinking of this world, but be transformed by renewing your minds in Christ every day. Showing Christ. Don't tolerate. What the world is telling you on TV, that's not reality. That's silliness. That's away from God's will. So don't let it pressure you to do something. Don't let the world fertilize its own thoughts into it. Go to the word of God and it will show you. David didn't counteract And that's why he wound up tolerating and falling. It's easy. And then Jesus tells us, Paul tells us to flee our passions and to love Christ and let our pursue righteousness rather than disrighteousness and faith and love and peace with a pure heart. That we're helping people because we want to just help them. And we love them. And that as the disciples were falling asleep in the garden, Jesus says, Watch and pray. You have no clue what's coming down your way when I get crucified. Don't throw it away, but be powerful in your spiritual life. But they didn't. And they all stumbled, they fell from the Lord. And it's so easy for us to stumble because we're not packed with the power of God in our lives when things come our way. And boy, do they come. Bigger than we could ever imagine. And we need God's strength and power to conquer them. And when we do that, look at the promise we're given in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you. That is common to man. Everybody has temptations, but God is faithful. That's where we get the power to overcome, folks. He won't let you be able to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. You are going to be tempted, but God's got this surrounded you that you can handle. it. If you're being tempted with it, you can handle it, but you need to trust God. There's nothing that can tempt you that's beyond your ability because God won't allow it to come your way. And then he says, but when the temptation comes, he'll give you the way to escape it, to get out from underneath it, that you may be able to endure and continue to live for him. That's the way it's done. That's the way we overcome by the power of Christ. But we've got to be mindful and keep him as our number one in our lives. Because as soon as we let the world start removing us from God, we're gonna fall to all kinds of deception and failure. I was reading theologian by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian who back in 1945, because he stood up against Hitler, was taken and put into a concentration camp. And while he was in there, he wrote several books. One is The Cost of Discipleship. And he could have stayed in New York City at a theological seminary and taught there. But because he saw what Hitler was doing, he went back to Germany and stood up against Hitler. And um, in doing so, he wound up going to prison in the, by the Gestapo. And then three days before he was going to be released by the, uh, uh, the allies, uh, Himmler was so hateful to him because of his strength in God that he hung him in spite. But this is what he said about being in, the, in this concentration camp and how easy it is to fall into temptations and what causes it. He says, one desire is kindled, it burns like a raging fire and seizes mastery over our flesh. It makes no different whether your sexual desire or it's an ambition or vanity or desire for revenge or love or of fame or power or greed for money or finally the stage of desire for the beauty of the world. At this point, and this is where he says, joy in God is extinguished in us. And we seek only our own joy. And Satan here does not fill us with hatred towards God, but rather with forgetfulness of God. That we just forget that God is there. And folks, we need to keep our love for God on the burner all the time. And not forgetting David forgot God when he was with Bathsheba. That's what caused him to sin. And the more we grow deeper with God, the more we love him and we will trust him and make it through the temptations and the trials and go further in our Christian walk than we ever thought we'd ever be. I was reading this past week about the golf ball. The first golf balls were made and they were just round with no dimples in them. And they were fine, but when they started studying it and seeing it, they realized that when they put dimples on the golf ball, it would fly further and they get more distance out of it. And if we understand that, physics point, we should understand this, that the more you and I handle the bumps the dimples of life, the trials, the temptations, and we make them through it with God's help. And that's the only way we're going to do it. We're going to go further in our Christian walk than we ever could imagine if we continue to hit in the power of God. That's the way it's done, folks. And that's the way we overcome. Because temptation can easily lure us and bring us down. Trials can move us into temptations that walk us away from God. But when we hold firm unto him, he's the one who'll get us further down the road. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you for these folks and for their love for you, Christ. And I pray, Jesus, each one of these folks have gone through trials and tribulations and difficulties and temptations. And how easy it is to get ourselves pulled away. And Satan knows it. And he knows that inside of us, there's a desire that easily can be turned on its head. But I pray for these as they go out into the world, that they will remain keeping their eyes on you and focused on you. And that through that, we can trust in you for the victory in our trials, and through our temptations. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Please rise for the benediction and our closing song. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God your Father, and the power of the Holy Spirit give you that victory every day. Amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah! Hallelujah!